name is Anthony. For those who may not know me, uh, it's great to be down here sharing with you. I don't remember if you remember uh, a song that was released many years ago called, by Bob Geldof called I Don't Like Mondays. Remember the song? Tell me why I don't like Mondays. Great song. I was going to play it, but the audio's uh, gone down skis. Um, the interesting thing about Mondays is the very things we never hear, or has never come from my lips, and it's probably never come from your lips or those around you, we never wish there was, an, uh, the, the, there was no long weekend. If it was a long weekend this weekend, you'd never go, oh, what a shame we get tomorrow off. I've never heard anyone say on holidays, gee, I wish my holiday ended earlier. I wish I could come back from Disneyland earlier so I could go back to work on Monday. I really just want to go to work. I mean, no one says that. If you're here and you say that, well, come and talk to us. We'd love to be encouraged afterwards and we'll pray for you. We never say, thank God it's Monday. People don't say, thank God it's Monday. We hope for a long weekend. I mean, I don't know about you, but this week in the rain, I have found it overly difficult to get out of work, uh, get out of bed. It's been raining. I can hear the kids. They're already getting food. They're living the dream out in the lounge room. I'm thinking they could have the week off. I could chuck a sickie and I could just stay in bed and watch movies and live the dream. But no, you've kind of got to struggle yourself out of bed and, and get into work. And while I found it hard to get out of bed in the rain, I, based on thinking, oh, it's just, there's no fun of it. If you have a think about what these guys do for a living, there's a couple of clips, but Jimmy's disturbing my friend up the back there. Put up the yeah, first one. You think your job's difficult to get, thank God, for on Monday. Have a look at this first guy. Now, that's a Bible verse. Look at this. Imagine working in that environment. That'd be great. Wouldn't you be thanking God that I get a great little cubicle to work in? What about the next one? Could you believe this is a job? Smelling armpits is a job. Apparently, yes, they spray people with deodorant and get them to move around, and they've got to, after a few hours, they've got to see to make sure the, the uh, deodorant's still working under another person. So the way to do it is they line up there and, and someone sniffs their armpits. Imagine having that in your form. What do you do for a living? I'm an armpit sniffer. That'd be a great job. Anyway, not as bad as the next one. This is a bloke in India. Raw sewerage, waist deep, no protective clothing every single day. How good would that be? Imagine his wife saying when he got home, thank God you're home. No, I don't think so. He should probably say thank God it's Monday, so he's out of the house. But, you know, that isn't the sort of job that I would like to do at all. When I... I'm a carpenter by trade, a builder, but when I finished my apprenticeship, I worked on big multi-storey buildings, and I went and worked for this bloke called Morrie, and we did uh, first floor extensions. And they used to take us three to four weeks, from the start to the end. And uh, most people were shocked that we could knock out something that quick. And the reason we could work, knock it out that quick was he worked us like dogs. I mean, we worked hard. We, we, there was no prefabbed anything or the frames in the roof. We had to make everything, all the frames, cut all the roof ourselves. And we make this dodgy ramp to go up to, the, up to the second story because he didn't want to hire a crane. It sounds like Phil. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, sounds like Phil. Uh, some sort of... <laughs> You and I probably get along too well. So we made this dodgy ramp. We'd have to build out of timber, and you'd have to carry everything up. You had to carry a floor sheet by yourself. The old compressed fibro sheets we used to lay as floor, you had to carry them by yourself. You weren't allowed to get help. Uh, you had to do it yourself, and he'd yell at you to get up there and do it faster. Now, my problem was I quite liked it. 
I've always loved working physically hard. I know mean, there's something about it, maybe it's a little bit sickening, but I, I, I love that sort of thing. I love the challenge and I love doing it. I love seeing the looks on people's face when you say to them, you know, we're gonna, your house is going to be finished in four weeks. You're going to have three bedrooms, another bathroom, a big rumpus area in three to four weeks' time. And they're just like, what? And uh, I was just amazed by that. The problem with the job was this bloke who I worked for, for the whole time I was there, there was no encouragement no appreciation. I remember he said to me one day, you're not here to think, you're here to work. And, I, and as, he, as he said that to me, I'm thinking, what the heck am I doing here then? I mean, why am I being treated like this? I mean, this is just crazy. Maybe you've had the same thoughts yourself. Maybe your struggle is when you've got to get up to work tomorrow morning. You don't want to thank God it's Monday. It's not that you're not grateful for the work that you have. You are grateful for it. And you, you know, you've got a mortgage, you've got bills to pay and a family to feed and, and you want to do the work. But what's happened for you is maybe someone has heaped expectations on you as well their dreams and, and in the midst of that they've created an environment where where you're overworked and you're underappreciated and you've got no value at all to who you are maybe on the other hand maybe you employ people and, and in employing people you know you have a, a level of expectation of how they're going to work or what they're going to do because you have bills to pay and a family to feed and all those things as well but you have a business to run and you're, and you're in the business to make money as well. And I've got to say, as someone who worked for himself for years as a builder, I don't think there's anything wrong with making money or being successful. Far from it. Well, maybe on the other hand, you're a, um, a single parent here today or a stay-at-home parent. I'm not going to ostracize you into male or female, but you're a single parent staying here. And, and your greatest desire would be just to go to the toilet without someone interrupting you during the daytime, without someone pulling your leg and saying, come and play with me, come and do something with me. You know, you just long for that moment to be by yourself. You'd love to thank God it was Monday, but every day is Monday. It's kind of like Groundhog Day for you every single day. And it's hard to thank God it's Monday. It's difficult to go on that journey. Well, this morning I want to look at it and kind of unpack for us, how can we thank God it's Monday? How can we inspire those who we work with to thank God it's Monday or maybe you work this afternoon as a shift worker or a Sunday, whatever day it is. Or maybe how can you inspire those who you employ to actually be thankful that they have a job to come to because you're their boss? And I want to do that and I want to unpack some scripture in the midst of this. I want to see what, what Jesus has to teach us about this, what he did um, so that we can learn a bit from that. So we're going to have a look at Matthew chapter 5 in the Bible, and it's the Sermon on the Mount. And what's interesting about the Sermon on the Mount for us is, for me at least anyway, is that Jesus is all about talking about the kingdom of God, what the kingdom of God will look like. That's the whole purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about how different the kingdom of God is to what they're experiencing in their world and their own kingdom at the moment under the rule of Rome and all that's going on for them. But for you and I, as we read this passage, we have to read it in, with the eyes and the vision of seeing that, that this passage Jesus is talking about is saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. And if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've decided, yep, I'm making Jesus Lord of my life, 
then your aim, your goal, your main purpose in life as a follower of Jesus is to reveal the kingdom of God to those you work with and to those you work for. That's, that's, that's all we're here for, is to reveal the kingdom of God to those around us. So we're going to have a look at this because what I find intriguing is that everyone who associated with Jesus thanked God it was Monday. Well, thank God it was whatever day of the week it was because Jesus was hanging out with them. So why was that? So if you've got a Bible, you can flick it open to Matthew 5, uh, verse 13 to 16. I'm going to read out Hugh Jim Peterson's paraphrase of this, uh, these three verses because I kind of really like the way he words uh, what Jesus has to say. It's going to be on the screen, but if you've got your Bible and you want to follow along with whatever you've got, open up to um, Matthew 5.13. It says there, Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavours of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colours in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives by opening up by, to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. You know, what I, I find intriguing about Jesus' words here in this, and as I look at Jesus' lifestyle, and then as I think about that into the non-Christians that I know, and I know if I'm the only Christian in my whole family, no one else is a Christian in my family, and, um, and as I've grown up on building sites and in different things that I've done, most of these people have a, a bit of a generalisation of what Christians are like. And, and they go kind of like this, you go to church, you don't drink, and you're kind of picky about your friends. You kind of have church friends. That's kind of what people think about people who come to church. But on the other hand, let's, if you have a look at Jesus, what's startling about him is Jesus actually broke the Sabbath on a regular occasion. He drank wine and he continued to go to parties with dodgy people. He was always out with the people who were totally different to him. Because he knew his aim was, he was all about how could he infect people with the kingdom of God. I love this, this great story in, in Matthew chapter 9 of a, a bloke called Matthew or Levi, as you, you kind of heard, may have heard his name before, and he was a tax collector. And, and Jesus sees this guy, Matthew, and he says, I want to come to your house and have dinner with you tonight. Come on, let's do that. And what's amazing, you've got to understand, in the culture at that time, tax collectors were the most hated people in all of Jewish society. Because they were hated because he was, he, was, um, he was a Jewish people, he was a tax collector, and he was Rome. They sort of stood in the middle, and they took the money from these people, and they gave it to Rome from their taxes, and they pocketed a bit extra for themselves from their own people. So they were just despised 
by people. They actually made this rule up. The Pharisees made a rule up that if a, Pharisee, if a tax collector steps into your house just over the threshold, everything in your house and every person in your house is unclean for seven days. So you can't associate with anyone just because they've stepped in the threshold. I mean, tax collectors weren't even allowed to go to worship. They weren't even allowed to go to church. They were just ostracized in the community. And here's Jesus. He pulls this bloke down from the hill and he says, I'm going to have dinner with you. And what's amazing about this story is Jesus turns up to this bloke's house and he starts having dinner with him. And it's, the passage says in Matthew 9 that he's not just having dinner with him, but he's, di he's having dinner with all his tax collector mates. Now, why has he only got tax collector mates? Well, because he's a tax collector and who likes tax collectors? For one, you can't be in the house of a tax collector because you'll be unclean. No one's going to be mates with them because if you go in their house and have a meal with them, you're unclean for seven days. You don't get to see anyone. You're ostracized from community. But what's Jesus doing in this? Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God into a man's house that's never experienced the kingdom of God before. It's absolutely amazing. You see, good rabbis didn't do what Jesus did. Good rabbis didn't associate with tax collectors or drink with prostitutes. That's not what good rabbis did at all. They actually lived separate lives because they didn't want to get contaminated by these people. They wanted to remain clean instead. But that wasn't Jesus. Jesus didn't come to remain clean. Jesus came to make others clean instead. He wanted people to experience the kingdom of God. He wanted to reveal the kingdom of God to people so that when people engage with him, they're like, thank God, it's Monday. I'm getting to hang out with God. I'm getting to spend time with this one who loves me, this one who cares for me. And what's amazing, I think, about Jesus is he was like, he was invited to their house all the time. They liked having Jesus around. It appears to me as I read scripture that, that Jesus didn't um, judge people. Jesus didn't kind of intimidate or, uh, people that, that were around at that time. When they encountered Jesus, they wanted more of Jesus. For you and I, as we live our life following Jesus, People should be thankful that they get to hang out with you and I at work or outside of work, whatever we're doing, because we're bringing in the kingdom of God. We're bringing in God's colors and God's flavors into our workplace. And people are seeing that. People are being aware of the God colors and the God flavors that we bring in. And there's something different about that. About 15 years ago, I was working as a chaplain in a high school in, in Western Sydney. Uh, it's a place called uh, Doonside High School. It was kind of like one of the, it was the top, in the top 10 worst schools in all of New South Wales. And uh, we had 100 kids suspended every day. That was, the, that was the call to arms. 70 was the minimum it got to, and it, but generally it's that higher than that. And um, so it wasn't the greatest school in the world. But 
I kind of liked being a chaplain there. And I, I, I sat inside the PE staff room and there was a couple of teachers who taught French and that's where my little desk was as well. And uh, anyway, I got to know everyone there and the head of the PE uh, staff room, the, whatever you call it, the head teacher, her name was Sue, and, uh, and she was in a gay relationship. Now, there was another guy there who was in a gay relationship. He, he didn't know me, so he didn't particularly like me too much, but Sue had to suffer through me three days a week being at the school. Anyway, we got along pretty well. She liked soccer. I love soccer. We started chatting and we'd joke around. I don't take myself too seriously. So we kind of got along really well. And as things progressed over time, after a couple of years, I got invited to this other PE teacher's, Belinda's house, for dinner. It was a barbie and everyone from, the, from that staff room was going. And I said, yeah, sure. Alison, my wife's a nurse, which is annoying because she does shift work. So she couldn't come with me to have my back. So I'm on my Pat Malone going to this house. And um, as I turned up to this house, they're all kind of sitting around. I was the last one to arrive, which was awesome. Uh, they're all sitting around chatting. And, and I walked in and, uh, and I saw everyone was there with their partner. And then Sue was there with her partner as well. Now, Sue had never told me that she was openly gay, but I already knew it. But uh, as I walked in there, she was sitting beside her partner. Anyway, they went around the table. Anthony, this is, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then she said, Anthony, this is my, this is my partner, Jane. I don't remember her name. Jane. I said, g'day, how you going? Yeah, nice to meet you. And she, said, and she looked at me and she said, I've heard a lot about you. I'm like, oh, no, you know, panic setting in. So my, my quick-wittedness came through for me, thank the Lord Jesus. I said, well, let me say, Jane, I've heard nothing about you. And I looked at Sue and I said, Sue, are you holding out on me? What's going on, gorgeous? You know, you should be telling me about your friends that you have. Like this, and she was like, you know, they all sort of laughed as I sort of panicked, thinking of my next one-liner that I could use to keep, the, um, keep things flowing. And, and, and then she looked at me and said, no, I've, I've only ever heard good things about you. I said, well, I don't believe everything you've heard, Jane. You know, it could, some of that could be a lie, you know. Some of it's probably true. But this woman was genuinely, genuinely surprised. Now, I'm not saying that to give myself a rap because I don't need that. Um, I'm telling you because when you bring God's colours and God's flavours into your workplace, people, regardless of their belief, can be surprised by who you are and how you act because of Jesus living in you and flowing through you. Doesn't matter what they believe. It doesn't matter what they think. Sue's friend and I, we gas bagged all night, chatted about life, as I did with Sue, and I went back to work the following week at the high school. Nothing changed in our relationship. So the thing is, God is calling us to thank God it's Monday to get into work because we get to shine God's colours and God's flavours to those who you hang out with. Yeah, Jesus, uh, Paul tells this amazing thing to a bloke called Titus. Um, Titus is, um, for those who are young here, Titus is kind of like his Padawan. Uh, Paul's Padawan is Titus and he, he's hung out with uh, Titus a bit. And he says in Titus chapter 2, he says, tell the Christians in, uh, in the area that you're overseeing, Titus, he says, tell them uh, old women. He says, old women... Don't drink too much. Older men, be self-controlled. And if you're a slave, stop gossiping and slandering and ripping off your boss. And he says, do this to make Jesus attractive. Do this to make Jesus attractive. You know why he says that? Because every woman in Rome drank too much wine. 
Every bloke in Rome was totally out of control. None of them had self-control. I mean, they were just totally off the chart, out of control. And every slave gossiped and slandered their, their boss behind their back and ripped them off whenever they had a chance. And what Paul is saying as he instructs Titus and the church there, he's saying to them, be different from the world. Be different from how everyone else is living. Reveal my kingdom, my upside down kingdom that says you are going to be so different that people are going to look at you and go, why are you acting like that? Why are you like that? Why, are, why did you stop at three beers and not go to 33 beers with us? Why won't you gossip about other people at work like we will? Why do you walk away when that happens? You know, this is what it looks like to display God's colours, God's flavours to our world. This, my friends, is what, is what we're called to do. This, my friends, is why we get to thank God it's Monday. Because of how amazing it is to spend time with other people and share God's love with them. You know, back to my original story of walking, working with Mori. Um, uh, I, as I was kind of wrestling through working for this guy and struggling with the whole idea of, you know, living in a place where I, or working in a place where I, I had no value and, uh, and, you know, that was just how it was every day, 10 hours a day. Uh, there was no sympathy. If it rained, it didn't matter. If it was 45 degrees, we didn't stop. There was no stopping. That was, just didn't happen. You just had to keep going harder, faster. And I came across this passage in Colossians chapter 3. Verse 23 to 24 one morning. And it said this, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Jesus you are serving. You know, after I read that verse, I just had this amazing light bulb moment for me. I'm actually not working for Mori. I'm, excuse me, I'm actually working for God. God's my boss. I mean, God's my king. It's his colours, it's his flavours that he wants me to shine to those who I work with. It was transformational for me in my thinking. From that point onwards, I knew, man, I was just going to keep doing my best. I was going to give my best. And I was going to be my best for this guy, regardless of what he said to me. Because I wanted people to see how amazing Jesus was who was living in me. And it was at this moment that I realized some basic truths that I kind of missed, I guess, in my walk with God. And I missed them because... And I reckon there's something you can apply whether you um, work for someone, whether you're a stay-at-home parent or whether you employ people. These three truths remain the same. And the first one is, as a Christian, I realise I don't go to work to find my peace. As a Christian, you don't go to work to find peace. You gain peace from your relationship with God. You don't go to work to find peace. You already have it and you take peace into your workplace. So no matter how miserable it is, you're the bringer of peace into that area. Are you with me? And as a Christian, I discovered that I don't go to work to find my worth. Because 
My worth is already found by who I am and my knowledge of who I am in Christ Jesus. The Bible says I'm in Christ Jesus. You know, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. I can approach God with freedom and confidence in Christ Jesus. You know, greater is he that is in me than is he in the world in Christ Jesus. I could go on and on and on about how good it is to be in Christ Jesus. My worth is found in him. I don't go to work to find my worth. If you're going to work to find your worth, you are going to be disappointed. You will never thank God it's Monday because everything is tied up in a performance. And when things fail and collapse, you're like, oh, can't believe that. Dang. You get frustrated because it means so much to you. Now, I'm not saying it shouldn't mean that, mean that much to you. What I'm saying is don't find your worth there. Don't worship it. Worship the one who you found, you found in who died for you. The third thing I, I discovered was I don't go to work to gain status. I don't go to work to gain status. I go to work as the, with the status of the king, of the son and the daughter of the king of kings. That's my status. That's who I am. So it doesn't matter whether you're an apprentice or a, whatever it is, a student. That, that isn't the thing that defines you. Don't try and pursue a better status like somehow or another, oh, it'd be great to do this or, or do that. Now, I was blessed in my apprenticeship to win some awards through TAFE and all this sort of stuff, but I've never told anyone about them. I don't think my wife even knows the things that I want because I just don't care. <laughs> I couldn't care less. I mean, great, but that's because I tried hard and I did well. But what do you do? My status wasn't found in who I was and what I did. My status was found in Jesus. I was a son of the King of Kings. My friends, you've got to discover that place of peace, of worth, of status in Christ Jesus so that when tomorrow comes or well, this afternoon, if you've got to go to work, you get up and go, thank God it's Monday. Thank God because I'm going in there to reveal what the kingdom of God is like. I'm not going there to find my worth or my peace or my status. I'm going there because God is awesome and I'm going to show people what it looks like to have an awesome God. Now, I want to say, for those of you who are here, as I, as I was, you know, as you're probably thinking about this, what, what does this mean, though, uh, if you kind of em are employing people? Does that mean, oh, man, I mean, I can't be successful or, you know, I can't drive people to work hard? Well, I would say, no, that's not true at all. Um, I think God wants us to be successful in the things that we do. The reality is, though, as you work and as you employ people, your number one role here on earth is to build the kingdom of God first, not the kingdom of you first. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter how successful you are. Build the kingdom of God first. What does it look like to build the kingdom of God with those around you? Because when you discover that you, what you do doesn't define you or give you status or, or find your worth, then you realize that work isn't the priority of your life. Jesus is the priority of your life. And Jesus is going to use this tool so you're successful, so you can bless other people, you know, maybe financially, it may be to be employing them, it may be emotionally, whatever that case may be. You can use that, use that thing that you're doing to bless others. At the end of that passage in Colossians that I read before, at the beginning of chapter 4, it's still part of the same passage, but we get chapters. It says there in verse 1 of chapter 4, 
Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. What Paul is saying to this church in Colossians is, you have a master in heaven. How does he treat you? Everyone has a boss. We all have a boss. Even if you're the head or the top dog in your company, you still have a boss. His name's Jesus. How is he treating you? That's how you're to reflect that to other people. When, uh, when we first moved up here, my family and I moved to Queensland seven years ago now, Nelly, um, because my daughter has a, dis- a mild disability. We went to this special school. It was the only place we could go to. So we moved from Sydney up here. And, um, and I had to go back to building work to afford the school. It was like a GPS school kind of version, with, but with no funding. It was a disaster. But anyway, so I went back there knowing that I could earn a lot more money as a builder than I could as a pastor. So I gave pastor work, the flick from Sydney, and came up and did that. And, um, and as I, I went into work, I was working in Paddington and Red Hill and, and doing like million-dollar renos on people's homes. It was ridiculous that people have a million dollars to spend on a reno. But anyway, they do apparently, and they buy ridiculously stupid things, but bless their hearts anyway. And uh, so we were, I was doing these amazingly big renos on people's house, and I had all these blokes working for me. And, um, and I'd come home and tell Alison stories about my day. And she'd look at me often, and she goes, I can't believe people have worked for you. I said, what do you mean? And she's like, dude, you, you know, you, you're so demanding of what you want. I said, yeah, I've got expectations. Because my theory is I always finished on time and I always finished on budget. Never went over time and I would never go over budget. End of story. The only way to do that is to work hard and finish on time. So I'd, that's, that's the motto. And anyway, Alison was so shocked by how I, you know, my little work ethic that I had. But, but then what was funny for her was she got to meet them all. So she'd come on site and visit and see what's going on. And, you know, plumbers and apprentices and electricians. And to her shock, they all loved me. And she's like, I don't understand this. Why do you like him so much? You know, isn't he doing it? And they're like, oh, yeah, but he's awesome. You know, and then they're giving me this rap in front of my wife and I'm just in hysterics. And it, what was funny was, not that because I was a great boss, I realised that people just wanted to be appreciated. People wanted to be valued. So all I was doing, I was telling them they had to work and we had deadlines and you had to work like a dog to finish that. But I would appreciate everything they did. I valued everything they did. I wouldn't talk about them behind their back. I have a little motto that says, if you can't say it to their face, then just keep your mouth shut. It's not worth saying. So I wouldn't talk behind their back. I would um, I'd treat them well. And uh, at lunchtime, I had a golden rule. You can't talk about lunch for 30, about work for 30 minutes. No mention of work at all. If they did, I'd kick them and say, yeah, you can't join us. You can't sit with us at lunch. You can go over there and sit by yourself. You know, I wouldn't do that because I'm not interested in talking about work. They didn't want that either. And then I started this gold mine thing that you can take to your workplace. I called it Hot Chip Thursday. And uh, in my great moment of, uh, uh, I don't know, revelation, I discovered we all liked hot chips. So everyone gave me gold coin donations, and, um, and then I sent the apprentice down to the local chip shop, and he'd come back with about 30 bucks worth of hot chips, three different boxes, salt chips, chicken-flavoured chips, and then, you know, barbie, ones with barbie sauce on the top. And, uh, and then, you know, you know, we'd just open them up, and everyone just grab them with their hands, their dirty hands, and you know, some of you would find that disgusting. We all loved it. And we all sat around. But what was interesting about this was guys who weren't on my site would ring me at 10 to 12 and say, hey, gee, I'm in for the hot chips. I'm just on the other side over here at, you know, wherever they were. I'm going to be there at 12 o'clock. I've got two bucks for you. I'm reliable. I'll be there. And... Boom, they'd be in their car to come and have hot chips with me. 
what they found with me was community. What they found was a place where they would be appreciated for what they did. Sure, they were going to work hard. So if you're employing people, I'm not saying you can't be successful and you can't work people hard. What I'm saying is don't build the kingdom of God, don't build your own kingdom first. Jesus says in in Matthew uh, 6, just in the Sermon on Mount, a bit later, he says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Build the kingdom of God. We can all do that in our workplace. We can all do that in our workplace. You know, the... I reckon that's kind of the best thing about working with and working for other people. You get to shine God's light. You get to shine God's flavour and colours into it because we're not about projects, we're about people. It doesn't matter how well things turn out. It's about how the people you work with, how do they respond to that? What are they like when you're hanging out with them? Do they say, you know what, there's something different about you. Tell me what that is. You should be different from the workplace down the street where there is no Christians in the workplace or there's there's no boss who's a Christian there. They should see a difference in you because you're shining God's colours and God's flavours to them. Now, I want to kind of say as well, though, for, for those of you who are here and you're thinking, well, this sounds all well and dandy, but you said at the beginning, um, you talked about being a single parent. This doesn't really relate to me. Well, I want to say... It kind of does as well. You know, I grew up, my parents divorced when I was two, and my dad uh, racked off, and I was, I was raised by my mum with my brother. And, um, and I kind of know how you're going. If you're a single parent, if you're a single parent, you're sitting here going, man, I don't know, this is really hard. I'm kind of feeling your pain, let me tell you. It is hard. But you know, the highlight of church, the highlight of coming here week in, week out, is there is a place for you to connect with people. And I found growing up as a kid with, uh, with separated family, at least anyway, the con- connection on Sunday meant that I could thank God for Monday. And if you're here this morning and, um, and you're a single parent you haven't connected in, can I really encourage you? There's some great life groups down here at Ormo that you could connect into. There's some um, mums groups that meet, I know, on a Thursday that... Um, Beck runs on a Thursday. Come and have a chat to me afterwards and I can point you to the right people. We'd really love you to connect in because as as you connect in and experience the God colours and flavours of of Gateway Ormo, then you'll find a reason to thank God it's Monday. You'll thank God for the community that you're in. And, you know, I've got to say as well, if you're you're here and and as you work, you come home and... um, You've worked hard and you see your spouse at home with the kids, tearing their hair out if they have hair. Uh, They're tearing their hair out because it's tough. You know, I know what it's like just to want to come home and sit in the lounge and have five minutes to yourself. But can I encourage you? We're going to talk about marriage in a couple of weeks' time, but can I encourage you at this point? Be like Jesus to your spouse. Be like Jesus to your spouse. This goes both ways, whether you're the stay-at-home mum or whoever it is, male or female, it makes no difference. How can you outgive to your spouse? How can you outlove your spouse? That's your aim. How can you outserve your spouse? I mean, that's the essence of marriage, I reckon. Jesus displayed this really well. He outserved, he outloved, he did everything out. He kept giving and giving and giving 
He didn't get, get, get. The key for you as you come home and you're thinking in your car, oh, praise God, I'm at home. I can sit down for five minutes, but you know there's going to be kids in there screaming. Thank God you're at home and you have an amazing spouse there with your kids. Don't take it for granted. Give and invest into him or to her. Give and invest into them. Reveal to them the God colors and the God flavors that they need to see as well. Bring out the best in them. Could you imagine for a moment what it would look like if you displayed God's colors and God's flavors to those you work with or those you work for or to those in your home? Just imagine for a moment what would that look like. Imagine what it would look like just to, get an, to, to discover that your peace and your worth and your status didn't come from what you do, but it comes from Jesus. What would that look like for you tomorrow when you go to work? What would it look like for you to go to work tomorrow and go, man, I'm so thankful for today. I'm so excited about what's going to happen today because I'm about to invest into the lives of people around me. And they're going to experience the kingdom of God through me. Through me. That's what we get to do, my friends. That's why we get to thank God it's Monday. That's why when you wake up tomorrow morning before you get out of bed, even if it's raining, thank God tomorrow, thank God it's Monday and you are going to bring in the kingdom of God wherever you are. You are going to reveal his God flavors and his God colors to everyone that you see in the ways that you can do it best, through the grace and the power of Jesus living in you. Let me pray. Lord God, I, uh, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your kindness to us. I thank you that as we um, connect to you and connect to each other here on a Sunday, it makes it so much easier to thank you, God, on a Monday. And I pray for those who are here this morning who um, may not have connected in, but really need to do that. I pray that you'll give them wisdom about how to do that this morning. I pray for those who are, um, who are working and uh, who are a boss, that you'll give them wisdom this afternoon or tomorrow, whenever they return to work, to reveal your kingdom to those around them. they'll be able to show your God colors and God flavors to everyone so that everyone in their workplace will start thanking God that they have that person working beside them, that person as their boss. Thank you, Jesus, that you want to do abundantly more than we could ever pray, dream or imagine at our workplaces. And Lord God, for that, we are incredibly grateful, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're going to sing our last song, and it's uh, really been great to be with you this morning. And we're going to sing this song, and it says, um, God, I look to you, I won't be overwhelmed. You know, for some of you here this morning, as we sing this song, though, you may well be overwhelmed. Maybe you're unemployed, and you're like, man, everything you said, Anthony, is all well and dandy. But, you know, I just want to have a job still. We would love to pray for you. If you're here this morning and, and your boss is a bit like my old boss, Murray, and you're just, you're just over it, 
and you just want someone who will gather around you and pray for you, then I'm going to ask you as we sing this song to come forward. There'll be some people who want to, who'd love to pray with you, James and Justin, and some other people who will come out and pray with you as well. Because we want to bless you. So today as you leave, you'll find a connection point on Sunday so that you'll thank God on Monday for what you've discovered. Take a declaration and say, you know what? Man, I, don't, I feel like I'm overwhelmed, but I'm going to take a position that says Jesus isn't overwhelmed. So I'm going to step into his shoes and say, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm sick of being overwhelmed. I just need more of you. Can I invite you? Stand, please. We're going to sing. And, uh, and as we do, can I invite you to come forward? We'd love to be able to pray for you.